You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey, everybody. Before we get started in our next level podcast, I wanted to let you know that we just released our brand new ebook, and it's all about coaching, about how do you select the right coach. For some of you, been very interested in getting a good coach, and it's great to get a good coach, but the right coach for the right situation. So go check it out. It's a free ebook on McIntyre on themichaelmcintyre.com themichaelmcintyre.com and check it out. It's free. Download it for yourself. It's under books and you're going to enjoy it. Thank you. This is the Next Level Podcast, a place for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and dreamers to be empowered for an abundant kingdom life. Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Welcome, everybody. This is Michael McIntyre, your most humblest host of the Next Level Podcast. And I am so glad that you are here listening to this podcast today because you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat from a woman and a husband that give all the time. These people are so much, they're so givers in his kingdom. And I'm really glad to introduce to you Harmony Klingenmeyer. Did I say it right, Harmony? Yes, Klingenmeyer. <laughs> Thank you. She is, she is a wife to Scott and an adopted mother of three sons. Over the past five years, she and her husband have parented 15 children out of the foster care system in Douglas County, Oregon. She authored the book, Hear, the Voices, Hear Their Voices, a portrait of an American foster family as a wake-up call to the needs of foster children in American communities, Harmony holds her master's degree in education and her pastoral license through Grace International. She is the director of the teaching team at Garden Valley Church in Roseburg, Oregon. Harmony is well known in her community for strong biblical teaching and accurate prophetic gifting. Come on. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. So I want to talk you. to you a little bit about first because I do want to get into your adoptive uh, heart that you and your husband, Scott, have. But I want to talk to you about this prophetic gifting. Because, listen, our audience, our listeners love hearing about the prophetic. And you've got this gifting, Harmony. So share with our audience how that works in your life and how it works in your business and with these children. Mm. Since I was a little girl, um, I have loved the Bible. My grandfather was a strong teacher of the scriptures. And as a little girl, he never really treated me like I was a little girl. He invited me into intimate encounters with the scripture. He taught me how to use a concordance, how to do a word study, like for example, to look at the word fire through the entire scripture, looking at the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek or the word faith. Um, and, and I believed him. I believed what he spoke over my life and both my parents and my grandparents released identity over me from a very young age that I was called and chosen and important in the kingdom of God. And I believed them and, and I began to embody that through study, uh, through, through my own research through my own time in the scripture. And I really began a love relationship with God's word at a very young age. And I would say that the scripture is the birthplace of all prophetic things. The, the word of God 
know, we know that God created all things through his word. That's right. He, he speaks and his creative power is released. And he created us in that image. He created us to reflect his very nature and character. And so we ourselves are creators. We ourselves are called to create our environments, uh, whether it's our home, our marriages, our workplaces, through the power of our words. And in order to make sure that our pro proclamation, our declaration also lines up with what God has intended, we must fill up the well of his word within us so that the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said he sent the spirit to lead us into all truth and to remind us of the things that he had spoken, right? All the amazing things that Jesus had taught. Well, the Holy Spirit needs something to work with. He, he needs the seed and then he comes and he hovers over that seed, just like he did in the very beginning when God was creating, Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, just like he did over Mary when she said, be it unto me according to your word. Holy Spirit came and hovered over that word and the word became flesh and it was Jesus. It was the second person of the Trinity. And this, <laughs> this is supposed to happen in us. His word becomes flesh. He so comes, good. Holy Spirit comes and works with the word and God's will comes to pass in the earth. So good. I get excited. You got me all fired up already. This is good, Harmony. I love your passion for the prophetic. It's so good. And listening to the word of the Lord. And because, yes, our words do matter, right? Because yes. in Genesis, God spoke the world into existence. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so, and, and we're created in his image. So that's yes. such a good word. All right. So let, let me, let me pivot over here to this uh, foster parenting that you and your husband have done. And uh, I, I've known some families that have uh, fostered children. And I know that it's, it's a, uh, it's a calling. It's, it's Holy spirit uh, giving you that unction, obviously. Um, and you've adopted three sons. And so tell me the process of, of that, because I know there's a lot of people in our, in our uh, listeners out there have gone through that process or are thinking of going through that process. Yes. And uh, sometimes it's a daunting journey and yes. you really have to listen to the Lord. So tell us the process that you and your husband, you know, you, you, you've over the last, you know, five years, 15 children you fostered. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So tell us the process of that. And then into your adopted three sons. Well, the interesting thing is, is that uh, the, the call of God upon our lives really starts in the prophetic. It starts in a word from the Lord. And it started on our third date. Scott and I, who were just, we were just beginning to, to get to know each other. And he didn't, we didn't really know each other that well at that point. And Scott didn't know about my giftings. He didn't know about who I really, who the depth of who I was. And I didn't know his giftings and the depth of who he was at that point. And so we, we were sitting at dinner one night and I looked over at him and Holy Spirit just dropped this word down in my spirit. And the word was, you are called to be a father to a generation of fatherless sons. 
And, and actually, later on that evening, I was talking to my family and expressing like about this man and how amazing he was. And I said out loud to them, God has called Scott to be a father to a generation of fatherless sons. Wow. And in that moment, I, I knew I was going to marry him. In that moment, when, I, when it came out of my mouth, I was like, Holy Spirit, if you told me that so that I would fall in love with him, it worked, you know? <laughs> like, all I needed was a prophetic word from the Lord, to, and my heart was set. Absolutely. So and, awesome. and, and yet I was a little nervous about sharing that, you know? So I waited a, a couple of weeks, and the word was burning in me. You know, when the Lord speaks... And you know it's the Lord. The word begins to burn. Like Jeremiah says, is not your word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. And your word is like fire that was shut up in my bones and I could not hold back. And it was a moment like that. We were sitting at dinner again and I looked over at him and I said, I want to tell you something. Sometimes the Lord tells me things, amazing things about people. And he told me something about you. Would you like to hear what he said? And, you know, Scott was a little bit taken aback. And, but he said, yes, go ahead, tell me. And I said, you are called to be a father to a generation of fatherless sons. And Scott's face got a little red and his eyes were red. And I was, I was a little worried in that moment, you know. <laughs> I bet you were. Yeah. And he said, Harmony, I can't father children. Oh, my goodness. And of course, I didn't, I didn't know that. But isn't it interesting that wow. what the Lord was going after was the lie? See, because Scott believed that God had taken away his ability to be a dad. And in, in consequence, that God did not want him to be a father. And here I come with two barrels, you know, <laughs> busting out, you know, um, ready with identity. Because that is the purpose of the prophetic, is to awaken within us what God has destined us to be. It's a, so it's a naming. You know, we, we name one another. We say, you're called to be this. You're called to do this. This is who you are. It's a naming. And I named him father that night. That's awesome. So when, so that happened, so, which obviously blew him away, you know, but that's, that's the way God works, right? I mean, he put you guys together because he knew where Scott was, but Scott also didn't understand his identity and he needed to hear that from the Holy Spirit. And like you said, when you speak life over people, when you speak, like your grandparents spoke life over you, that that's, you know, when it comes from the Lord, that's powerful. All right. So yes. let's fast forward. You and Scott obviously get married. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. And so what was the process at that point to start fostering children? Well, again, it was a prophetic process because we weren't even, we're living in Oregon now, but we were, we were living in Wisconsin of all places. Oh, wow. We, I, uh, my family was from the Midwest. Scott was from the Midwest. And uh, we just were doing life. And I was not even a teacher at that point. I had my undergraduate in music ministry, but I had not gone back for my teaching licenses. I mean, I was selling timeshare. I, I wasn't, <laughs> You're a closer, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I wasn't, uh, I, I was, uh, I needed a course correction. I needed a course correction. 
I love it. And the word of the Lord comes to bring a course correction. So I was selling timeshare. This woman walks up to me. She's got this beautiful baby and a little girl with her. And I'm like, oh, the children are so beautiful. And she says, thank you. I'm a foster mom. And wow. in that moment, Holy Spirit just fell on me. Come on. I fire and electricity in my body and I immediately started to weep. And she's standing in front of me and I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, are you a, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? And she said, yes, I am. I said, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and I believe you are here on purpose mm. to tell me about foster care. Because up until that moment, I hadn't really even thought about foster care. It hadn't been, it wasn't on my radar at all. Right. And this woman begins to download. So that night I'm driving home. I'm so excited. And I know how God is going to make Scott a father to a generation of father's sons. I know how it's going to happen. You know, I'm full of confidence. I walk in and I say, babe, I know how God is going to make this happen. Foster care. <laughs> and he kind of looks at me and he says, I don't want to do that. Oh, wow. And I, I was like, <laughs> what? that's what God said. So that's what's going to happen. You know, I was a newlywed, so I wasn't, uh, I thought I knew everything, you know? And, and so he said, but they take the kids back, Harmony. They go back to their biological parents. I said, wait, wait, wait. Yes, that's true. That's true. But some will get to adopt. I said, mm -hmm. some will stay with us, but the rest, it'll be like identity boot camp. They'll come into our house. We'll, We'll download the, they'll get them saved, download identity upon them, give them belonging and purpose and sonship and daughtership and, and we'll get them filled with the Holy Spirit and then we'll send them back out into the world. It'll be amazing. <laughs> and he, he just, he was not on board. He did not want to do even this. With, even with that fire you're spitting, he still wasn't on board. <laughs> well, you can imagine that the man that God gave me as a husband is the mm -hmm. diametric opposite of me totally. in every way. Totally. <laughs> so he's calm. <laughs> he's he analyzing is, this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's, have you ever taken the DISC personality test? Yeah. He, he's a C. So it's all about <laughs> rules and regulations and doing it right the first time and taking your time and thinking things through. And, yeah. and I'm like, I know, like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm all the way out there because I'm a DI. So I'm way out in front, like already know. But the Lord has taught me, the Lord has taught me that Scott is a gift for balance. He brings balance to my life. And he is exactly what children need. Mm. He is a pillar of strength, of dedication, of patience. And he's very kind of traditional. He pays the bills, works hard, you know. <laughs> right, he's, a, right. he's a lot like my daddy. Right. Uh, Hardworking. He's into the, he, he can deal with the minutia while, while you deal with flying over at 50,000 feet. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, all right. So, so, you know, you come in there and you overload his circuits, obviously. <laughs> the circuit breaker. And so he's got to think this through. So from that point to when the time you got your first foster child, how long a period of that time was there? We were married in September of 2011. The woman, I met the woman in November of 2011, and we took in our first foster child 
in December of 2015. So it's four years. Wow. So it was a process. It was, but God, I mean, God began to move. And he also taught me exactly what you're saying, that I overloaded Scott uh, and he just was not where I was at. We were not in the same plane, not doing, we we were gifted differently. Although we have some similar gifts, but we didn't, at that point, we didn't really know. You know, we didn't, I didn't know, for example, that Scott had, he has hundreds of prophetic dreams where God speaks to him in dreams, like shows him the future in dreams. And I remember the first time Scott told me that, that he, he's like, I, I saw this in a dream. And I was like, really, <laughs> really interesting. Tell me more about your dreams, right? And he didn't realize that God had gifted him prophetically. And now, now he knows, but it's, it's been a process. So that I just put that in my, I call it my prophetic pocket. I hold it close to my chest, meditate upon that word. I continued to prophesy over him that he was called to be a father to a generation of fatherless sons, even through fear, even through unbelief. And God began to speak to me about moving out of state. But instead of overloading my husband, I just started <laughs> to prophesy in the secret place. Come on. Prophesy and pray and declare. And I never, I never told him. So until- I and this is so good. And I want our audience uh, listeners to, to dwell on this golden nugget here, because w- what you're saying is so cool because I coach a lot of different people and generally it's always, I would say 99.9% the successful marriages are from two opposites. Yeah. And so what, and you know, quite often, you know, maybe, maybe the husband's really into it. The wife's not, the wife's really into it. The husband's not whatever that situation, but like you and Scott, you were so into the giftings and so into the spirit. Uh, I call it sometimes the swirl, right? (laughs) And which is great. And Scott is like, Hey man, this is, we got to be pragmatic here. We got to be practical, right? Yes. But that's why God put you guys together. So with, with that, you learned, you learned as a wife that really listens to the Holy Spirit, very prophetic and very in that, that you need to approach your husband and come to, from the secret place and praying yes. for him. Otherwise, you trip that circuit breaker every time. And yes. you trip that circuit breaker. It takes a long time sometimes to reset. Yes? Yes. So, so husbands and wives out there, if you are on the same plane, which is fine, that's okay. Yes. Just just know how to navigate through that. Yes. Yes, so you, exactly. So you, so you learn that you went to your secret place. You started praying over that prophesying over him. So, all right. So you, you get to this point, obviously and, you, you get your first foster child. Okay. Well, and so, and we moved to Oregon first. We had to, and, and why did you move to Oregon? That was, so that was the thing I started praying into because the Lord told me we were going to move out of state. So I, but I knew Scott had never lived outside of Wisconsin. I had lived in Germany. I had lived, I've been to 44 states. Scott had never been outside of, you know, he'd visited other places, but never lived outside of Wisconsin. So I just started praying and prophesying. And one day he had some conflict in his family. And what I had been praying was whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes to bring Scott to a place where he will hear your voice and be willing to move, do it, do it, Lord. You've called us, make it happen. And one day he came to me and he said, we need to leave. We need to move away and, and kind of strike out on our own and wow. find out who we are because this isn't healthy for our marriage. They were kind of intrusive and sure. there was just a lot of issues there. And it was a total setup. God set him up. 
right? And wow. he to, brought him to a place where he was ready to distance himself from that drama and move away and go on an adventure with me. And so we did. We started doing research on different places where we could live. And God brought us to Oregon. He sold our house. He, he brought us into uh, an inheritance. He, we, we actually, I had a, our home was built in a floodway, a floodway, excuse me, was built in a floodway. So you couldn't build on that land anymore. It was 100 years old. We did a new septic system. The realtors told us it was unsellable. Mm. And yet God gave me a vision. And I said to Scott, we were, we were praying one day. I said, babe, don't worry. A woman is going to drive into our driveway, red SUV. She's going to offer to buy our house. And, you know, we'd only been married. I mean, we'd been married uh, three years. And he still, you know, he knew me by this point, right? But, but not, still thought I was a little crazy, you know? <laughs> I can't. And so he, he was like, okay, whatever. I was like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. Two weeks later, we get a phone call on a Sunday afternoon. The woman on the phone says, I heard from a friend of a friend of your father that you're selling your house. May I come see it? And I said, let me tell you what's wrong with it first. Right. I said, needs a new septic, built in a floodway, yada, yada. And she said, I want to buy it. I said, okay, come see. Give us a couple hours. She drives up in a red SUV. Come on. Two days later, she, she made us a cash offer. Come on. And we moved to Oregon. Wow. And and when we moved to Oregon, it was like the birthing canal. God was pulling us out and he was birthing us into something brand new. Wow. And that fall, we'd just been here a few months. I went into a season where I was having a lot of visions. God was just encountering me in dreams and visions. Wow. And again, you know, talking about the prophetic, we want what we experience in the prophetic to be rooted in the scripture. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. anytime I get a prophetic word, anytime... And, you know, now I'm in the habit of hearing God's voice, but it takes practice to test the, ver the word, to test the voice. But do that. When you have a dream or a vision or you feel like God is speaking to you, make sure that you go to the scripture and let that word bounce off the scripture. And if, so, it, comes, if it comes back whole, you know it's God. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I Chris Valentin told me one time that you know prophecy is is it's all about edifying. Yes. Yeah? Yes. yes. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And Come if on. it doesn't line up with edification, exhortation, and comfort, then it isn't God. Plain and simple. And oh, and also, you know, the prophetic it can be corrective, but the prophetic comes out of relationship. A lot of times, when it's correction, it comes from a place of like spiritual fathers and mothers or close relationships where we can speak into each other's lives. Yes. And that is, that's that forth telling. It's that calling a person to a higher place, right? But it's yes. never destructive. It, it's, the purpose of it is not to expose your brokenness. The purpose of it is to expose God within you. Come on, preach it, Harmony. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So, so you're in Oregon. Okay. Yes. All right. So you're hanging out in Oregon and all of a sudden, okay. So your first foster child, what yes. did that, like, what was that experience? Cause I know there's there, you know, there's people out here that are listening to this, that may be stepping into this space. Right. So yes. tell me, you know, what happened in that process? Well, the Lord gave me specific things to pray for. The, the becoming foster parents takes some time. 
you go through some classes and then you have a home study and they come into your home and they, they just, they find out everything about you. They go deep. Okay. They go deep and it's very exposing and, but it's good. It's good for them to know and to practice transparency. Transparency is power. So they, we knew that we were going to have to go through this process by this time, Scott, Scott was on board. He was, his heart had come around. He started to think about this and I had, you know, presented it to him a few times and he was, he was hungry. He was ready to be a dad. And he's, he said, you know, if, if you really feel harmony, cause he had seen all these words come to pass, right? Do you really feel like this is God? Let's try it. <laughs> so we had signed up for some classes, but the Lord told me specifically that I should pray for an emergency placement. As a teacher, and by the way, in this process, in these four years, I'd become an educator. I'd gotten my teaching licenses, and so I was in the school systems, right? That's how I got a job out here in Oregon was as a a music teacher. And the Lord said, I want you to pray specifically for a child that is your student, because as Uh a teacher, you're considered a relative placement. And if a child is in need... The uh, DHS, it's called DHS in Wisconsin, also called Child Protective Services some other, in other states. Sure. And then do the home study. So I began to pl- pray for an emergency placement because I thought, well, this is the goodness of God. We've waited a long time to be parents. And God is saying, now is the time. I had a vision of a seven-year-old boy And I began to pray, God, this child, I don't know who they are. I saw them from behind in the vision. I don't know who they are, but I know they're my student. I know they're seven years old and they need an emergency placement. Bring them to us in Jesus name. One day I was standing outside the school and IA that stands for um, instructional aid. They're like a teacher's assistant Mm -hmm. was standing there. We were chatting about, about the day, chatting about kids and, and I said, guess what? We signed up for these classes to become foster parents. And she said, you're becoming a foster parent. I know a child who needs a placement right now. And I wow. was like, okay. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I prayed, right? right? That's what I had declared in the spirit realm. I had, the Lord spoke. He said, say this. And I said it. And this is where prayer becomes prophetic, right? Because God does not intend prayer to be pleading. God does not intend prayer to be one way. He he literally intends for us to come before him and say, what should I say? God, fill my mouth with words to speak. Which, of course, the scripture, Jesus said that himself. He said, I'll send you before kings. I'll send you before leaders. And you won't. You won't have to prepare because I will fill your mouth with so words good. to say. So good. So in in the course of 24 hours, Brendan, who's now our child and he's adopted now, in the course of 24 hours, he came home to be with us. Wow. And it opened a door. Eight months after that, we received our second son. And it's been a process. We've been tested. There's been, it's been painful um, it's been excruciating. It's been loss. We've, you know, we've had to say goodbye to 12 children and the system is, is broken. The, yes. the, the system is a mess. And yet 
the command of James, true religion and undefiled before the father is to visit orphans and widows in their need and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is a command. Whether it's easy or not. That's right. Doesn't matter, right? Because we're we're commanded to do it. And I, I, I tell people, it's actually for everyone. It's, it's, not, it's mandatory. Ministering wow. to orphans is mandatory. It doesn't have to look exactly like we do it. There's a lot of different ways that you can be involved in children's lives, especially children of trauma, children who have been neglected or abused. There's so many ways that you can be involved. But be involved. You must. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is really good. So you, so you're, you've got at this point, you got your first son who was seven years old when he came to you. And then how old was your second son? He was six and and Brendan turned eight within those eight months. So he was eight. And then we, we took in a new child. Well, what happened was originally they only wanted us to take in this one child because he had high needs. He was, um, partially nonverbal. Um, yeah. you know, he didn't know his ABCs. He didn't, couldn't spell his last name. He, um, spoke in two, three word sentence sentences. Um, sure. and, and so they, they really wanted us to focus on rehabilitating this child. And of course they didn't know us from Adam. They didn't know what we were capable of. Right. right. So right. They, they didn't want to overload us, but over the course of eight months, they watched Brendan transform. They watched him, um, he, he came to us with 12 abscesses in his mouth. He, he was healed. His teeth were, were better. He, um, his hygiene, his, um, his nutrition, and his academics, he began to learn to read. And they watched him transform. Because and you they, were mothering and fathering him. Yes. Giving, giving him unconditional love. Yes. yes? Yeah. And I identity and belonging and every single night Scott goes into our children and he puts his hand on their head and he says repeat after me in Jesus name you are a child of God in Jesus name I'm a child of God I'm you're full of the spirit I'm full of the spirit you're intelligent you're strong you're sharp you're a good communicator and the kids repeat what Scott prophesies over them and, and just, and I want to pause right there because I think that positive affirmations, you know, because, uh, you know, 90%, 85 to 90%, the experts quote in, in air quotes say mm-hmm. that we have negative self-talk all the time. And what you're exactly. doing is you're bringing God talk into them for their identity and positive affirmations in that, because that's, that's where our life begins as, as a man thinketh. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So we're actually doing something spiritual, which impacts the natural. The spiritual principles impact and reorder the scientific principles of our brain. So we have these things called neuropathways in our brain. And when we are uh, exposed to or victims of trauma, uh, what happens is the neuropathways are formed that recreate the traumas in our lives and as we grow we learn to actually recreate those traumas in ourselves we do it in our other relationships even when we don't want to because the neural pathways dictate how we behave so when we come in with god identity when we come in with belonging when we 
break abandonment and rejection and we, we walk in spiritual authority over the lives of our children, what happens is new neural pathways are created. And before the age of nine, they say you can completely rewrite a person's brain. It's awesome. Once so they go through puberty, it's more miraculous is what I say. <laughs> it can still happen, but it's, it's more miraculous. Before then, there's a lot of malleable matter in the brain, and they're able to relearn who so they good. are. That's so good. All right, so you've got two sons in your house at this point, yes? Yes. Because okay. what they saw, they saw how well you you transformed and I, uh, I blessed the first son that you yes. adopted. So they're like, okay, these people have something that, that other people need. These people are amazing. So yeah. then, then the process from that, was it a little easier process? It, well, during that time, we had had our home study and everything came good, back good. And so what happened was uh, we sort of had this, began to have this reputation. Um, and, and so a social worker came to us and said, I have this child. He's been in six homes. Wow. He's, he's six years old. He's already tried to commit suicide. Oh, my gosh. Can you help him? And, and I said, we said, I don't know if we can, but we'll try. We don't know. But we answer. want to. Right. We <laughs> want to. The good, that's an honest answer. <laughs> and that, see, that's the point. The point is, is that Scott and I, we're not perfect. We don't right. have all of our poop in a pile. We, right. we don't have a perfect marriage. We don't right. have every skill in the book. Okay. But we are learners. Come on. And we are uh, on the path of growth for the rest of our lives. And so when we don't know something or we realize we're not very good at something, we work on it. Good. That's we good. We learn new skills. We read things. We listen. We, we do online classes. We educate ourselves. Amen. And that makes us good parents. The interesting thing about parenting is that most people go into parenting with no training. So true. So true. <laughs> I, you know, it would be nice if we had a, some kind of litmus test, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, all right. So this is really good. So, all right. So you've got your first son and you've, you've transformed him. You've blessed him. You've spoke life over him. You know, he's physically better, emotionally better, spiritually better, and, you know, auditorial better. All these things are coming in you know, an alignment. Yes. 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 You're, you're, you're fathering and mothering him in, in a court, biblically fashion. Mm -hmm. And so the second child comes in, what happens then? Well, it was chaos. He tried to, <laughs> he tried to overturn our table and he, oh he kicked, he kicked the screen out of his window and we found him in the yard at four in the morning. And oh uh, he, he, uh, he struggled. He absolutely struggled. And what did we do? We just went about it the same way. We went about it the identity and purpose way. I like to call it identity therapy. It really rewrites the inner, the, the brain. But um, our second child, his name is Max. He, um, he's adopted now. And he, he needed something more. He yeah. had PTSD, post-traumatic right. stress disorder. And he had yeah. something called fetal alcohol syndrome, mm. uh, which is just a, it's an overall term for any exposure to illicit substances in the womb so methamphetamines or heroin or alcohol or anything like that okay right. is covered in FAS and he had this 
And he also had uh, radical attachment disorder, rats. And so he and his trigger was leaving the house because he had been kicked out of six different homes. And, and so anytime he would go to school and he was in a specialized classroom as well because of behaviors and everything, and yet he couldn't even maintain in that environment because he had, had experienced so much rejection. Sure. So anytime he would leave our house, he would just flip out. So Scott quit his job wow. to be a stay-at-home dad Come on. To, to homeschool Max so that Max could grow attached to a daddy. That's, just, that's just love. I love love <laughs> that's so awesome that just that just hits me that's the spirit on me right there that's so cool harmony bravo scott what a man he is he what a man he is such a he's such a god a gift to this generation uh and he you know a lot of people have said things and all lot of love of course but like well men need to work or men need to do this or men need to do that and i think you know um like my my wife my wife says you know, maybe, maybe they need a little slap, but um, <laughs> because what they don't recognize is that Scott is arising in the generation as a, as a, as an example of what real fatherhood looks like. Real fatherhood is sacrifice. Real Amen. fatherhood is the cross. Real fatherhood is death to self. Come so on. If, if that means, if that means giving up your job, being the quote unquote provider, so that you can save a child's life, that's fatherhood. And, and, and think about Jesus. Jesus, and you know, the scripture says that a lot, consider Jesus. Well, Scott has considered Jesus, the fact that Jesus gave up his throne to come to the earth. Well, right. I mean, that doesn't seem very godlike for him to give up his throne. Well, this is what Scott has done. Scott gave up his position in the world, his his role as moneymaker to to stay at home, to die to self, to limit himself for the sake of a child. So so Scott comes home and Scott Scott is homeschooling Max. Yes. Yes, with the help okay. of an educator, the okay. educator would come in for a couple hours a day, and then over the course of six months, he begins to heal. Max begins to heal. Because he feels safe at home. And so little by little, Max is introduced. He doesn't have to go to a, he doesn't have to go to a special classroom anymore. He's reintroduced into the regular ed classroom. He's, he's, um, he started out not reading. He was a first grader who had not, not learned to read at all. And now Max, now in this year, in 2020, he's the best reader in his class. Come on. He's extremely intelligent. But he needed to know he was safe. Yes. He needed to know he wouldn't get abandoned anymore. Bravo to Scott for dying to oneself to do that. All right. So now we have two. Now tell me about the third. <laughs> well, the third one is special because the third one is Max's half-brother, Jason. Oh, and wow. The, re- the reason we got Jason is because of Max. Max was with us. He was um, – and and – and the half brother came came into care. They called us immediately and said, "We we want to place siblings together when we can. Will you take Jason?" And we said yes. 
you know? And so <laughs> he came into our care and um, Jason is completely different than my other two children. He, How old was Jason when he showed up? He was five. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's my baby. He's adopted. And, um, he, you know, he's, he's precious. He, he is completely different than my other children. He's an athlete. He, uh, academics, not necessarily his favorite thing, but he does, he does well in school. Um, but just, he doesn't have the same needs as Brennan and Max do. And he's a, he's very uh, charismatic and outgoing and he's everybody's, you know, everybody's friend. And he's just a completely different child than my other two children. And, um, we we love him. And so that's just, you know, that was kind of the doorway, Brendan, Max, Jason. And since then we've had a lot of short-term placements. We've had, uh, we had Cody and Levi, they were with us four months and they were our, they were older, uh, our first teenager and we learned how to have the talk. <laughs> I know that was not very fun. It. I will tell you. I've got three daughters. I know about the talk. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, I got to hone my skills, uh, Scott and I, you know, and Scott's very quiet. So he lets me do the majority of the talking, but <laughs> home, how to have the talk in a way that totally destroys shame. Amen. just rips shame to shreds and Amen. makes it makes intimacy look amazing and like this amazing gift that you give to your spouse and yeah. um, and and how to protect mm-hmm. like my sons are are they're becoming men and teaching them how to protect women by yeah. not by not partaking in pornography teaching them how to well how, what do you say to a peer who tries to show you pictures of a woman like I want to, I want to honor that woman's privacy by not looking at that picture. Like it's my job as a man to protect that woman's privacy. And and we've had these conversations about trafficking and, and my, 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 with my older sons, of course, and, and how to protect and honor women. And it's so great. I get so much practice because I've got kids coming, coming in and going out. And, and it's just part of what we do here is remove the shame. I love that. Removing shame and guilt is just a big thing because it's just a lie from the pit of hell. You know, yes. coulda, shoulda, woulda. Those those terminologies are from, you know, Satan himself, I, I believe. Yes. Uh, let me ask you this, Harmony. So how old are, are your three sons now? Uh, 12 and a half, almost 11, 10. He's 10. And then not, Jason is nine. So good. So good. So, so with that, I mean, this has absolutely changed yours and Scott's life. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. It has. It has. It, you know, um, when you love a child who leaves you, the pain of that loss, mm. you know, it's no different than a miscarriage or a death of a child. I've had to let go of 12 children, most of whom called me mom, uh, mm. and, and without any hope that I will ever see those children again. It's completely in the hands of the biological parents. And oftentimes biological parents see us, they need someone to blame. They need someone to attack and often it's us. And so we serve these children and then they go back to the biological parents and then the parents will not allow us to have anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, uh, and that it's death, it's death to self. Like, the Lord has taught me the ter- 
what it means when he says, those who reap, uh, sow in tears will reap in joy. I've, I sow in tears a lot, and so does Scott. But we know that one day we'll stand before the throne of God and those children, those children, the Father will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I just love your heart, Harmony. It's so precious. And got you, you and Scott are just, I just, I, I, the emotion and the love that you have, and I know Scott have, feels the same way, and that, that you pour out to, you, you two are angels, really. You are. <laughs> and, and, you know, listen, you know, Jesus didn't want to take his cup. Right. He, he asked his father, said, hey, I, uh, no bueno. <laughs> Can I pass on this one? Can I pass on this one, Papa? And yes. he had to take it. And that that's, you know, in a, in, a, in a different, small, but still hard, difficult way. You and Scott have taken that cup and, you, you know, you don't like it, but you take it. And so that's that's what separates the wheat from the chaff. And that's, you guys are amazing. So I love, thank you for sharing that heart. Your heart is beautiful. And it's just, it just, it, it, I, I know my wife's going to bawl her eyes out listening to this. So <laughs> it's really good. Uh, let me ask, let me ask you this. Cause I think, you know, you've got this book. Okay. Hear their voices, a portrait of an American foster family. What prompted you? I'm sure the Holy spirit prompted you to write this book. So tell me the process in this harmony. Cause I really, I want the people out there who have a passion for this that also want to be foster parents and obviously adopt parents or maybe, you know, pour into your ministry. I want you to share the process in this book that's, that's out and, and how they can get this book. Well, uh, the book is really special because uh, the night that that woman, that foster mom stood before me when I was selling timeshare, mm -hmm. I was driving home. And one of the things, you know, incredible that the Lord would, we, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do at that point, but we, we knew that, um, I knew that the Lord was going to call us to this. And is that your doggy? Yes. I'm sorry. My doggies? little puppy's making What's some noise. Name? <laughs> Her name is Luna. Awesome. Luna. So, must, be, must be very um, dark. She's a moon dog. <laughs> yes, she is. And That's okay. so we're dog friendly here at the next level podcast. Good, good. And so um the as I was driving home, um we the Lord began to speak to me and he said, Harmony, one day you will have a story to tell. And you will write a book. Wow. And that book will awaken a sleeping giant. That giant is the church. Come on, Jesus. And uh, of course, I had no idea what he was talking about, but <laughs> I believed him. I put it in my prophetic pocket, again, holding that word close to my chest and meditating upon that word. And over the, the years that we've been foster parents, uh, people have said to me, Harmony, you should write a book. Harmony, you should, you should really write a book. This is amazing. <laughs> like your story is amazing. What God has done in your family is amazing. You should write a book. And every time they would say that to me, the word of the Lord would replay in my mind. And I would say, one day I will write a book and that book will awaken the sleeping giant prophesying again. And one day I was online 
and this uh, young man, he's a missionary for, out of Bethel, who's a friend of ours. He said, Harmony, you should write a book. And I gave my kind of, you know, the statement I always give, one day I will write a book. <laughs> right. And my aunt reached out to me and my, you know, my family is very prophetic and my, my parents and my, my aunt and uncle, they love the Lord. She reached out to me through email and she said, Harmony, I, I feel like the Lord is telling you it's time for you to write a book. And there's actually a company who they're looking for new, new authors. And so I did some research and the company was Trilogy, which is um, through Trinity Broadcasting Network. And I felt the Lord say, it's time for you to write this book. And so what did I do? I sat down at my computer. I was actually at school teaching. On my lunch break, I sat down on my computer and I said, Lord, what should we call this book? And he said, hear their voices, a portrait of an American foster family. And I typed it out. <laughs> I typed what he said, and I typed like just, you know, this book will be our story plus research and data concerning foster kids in the United States and how to overcome the fear and the risk of fostering. And I sent it off and forgot about it pretty much. And like two or three weeks later, I get an email from one of the publishers and he said, we'd like to talk to you about this book. And literally, I couldn't even remember the name I had typed down. It was, <laughs> it was a totally Holy Spirit thing. I walk into my classroom and I, I'm praying in the Spirit, walking around my classroom. And I say, Holy Spirit, I cannot remember the name of the book. And he said, I remember it. It's okay. Sit down. So I sit down. He gives me the name. He gives me a full outline for all the chapters I, wow. wrote, I wrote down all that, like within 15 minutes, wrote down all the names of all the chapters. And, um, and I began to write the introduction, which was okay. an encapsulation of our story of Scott and my story. And I submitted, I had like two chapters written within a week. I submitted them and um, they accepted me as an author. Come on. And so actually it was last summer, uh, just a year ago, that I published my book and um, it's, you know, it's been kind of a season of rest. There hasn't been a lot happening with the book yet, but I've been waiting for the timing of the Lord and continuing to do the work that God is asking me to do in my home. Because one thing that the Lord is teaching me is that what, what you do with the family matters more than every other stewardship you're given. In fact, if your marriage and children do not matter, then nothing good. else matters. Amen. It's a good word. And so, so I've just... Got, so yes, you've got word. this book, and I, I get it. You know, we go through these different seasons. I know, you know, when I wrote my book, you know, it was like, you know, the number one bestseller on the insomniac list. Okay. <laughs> 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 I think my mother bought one. And, but... <laughs> but I understand. And so this book, I mean, the, you know, okay. So, you know, here's what I see. I, and, and I think you are on this circuit. I know we've been working with Julie and, uh, and, and her amazing uh, yes. PR firm, Julie. And so I want to give her a shout out too. Uh, and so, but what I think is really cool is I see you speaking to the masses about this issue, because I think, 
I feel in the church, it's way overlooked. And I think it's something that we really, as Christians, and you had a calling, you listen to the Holy Spirit and your excitement is infectious and your, your passion is amazing. And so, you know, are you, you going to be on tour? Are you going to be teaching? Are you going to be preaching? Are you going to, you know, how do we, how do we look for you in this process? Cause I know that, you know, maybe you were hidden for a minute, but I know I feel in my spirit that you're about to come out. Thank you. Yes. I, I feel God in this season. He is bringing the story of our lives to the forefront in order to awaken a, the church. I, I feel at this, it's the perfect time. The church is in a place right now where she is literally being shaken as mm. if she's been laying, resting asleep and her father comes to her bedside and takes her shoulder and begins to gently shake her and say, it's time for you to awaken and arise. And I hear the Lord saying in this season that what is not of him is being shaken off so that what is of God can remain. And Good. so the church is in a place of readiness. The church is in a place of willingness. And, and so this is the season for this message to come forward because it isn't just what we're called to do. It isn't just an amazing, miraculous, wonderful story of what God did in two people's lives or in the lives of the children that we get to be a part of their lives, right? It's not just about us. It's not just about the Clay and Myers. It is about what God intends for the church to do in the world. We are called to be kingdom bringers in every arena of authority, in every arena, in every mountain of society. God has called us to bring the kingdom. And so we're really called, we're in this season, God is calling myself and Scott is, you know, supporting me and believing in me and releasing me to bring this message before the body of Christ. So I am, I am hopeful. I am in prayer that God will open doors that no man can shut and that the church as, as they listen, as they listen to this podcast or other podcasts, that they're literally the fire of God will fall upon them in their in their offices, in their bedrooms, wherever they've got that that thing turned on, listening to it yeah. in the shower, you know, <laughs> as they're walking their dogs and they've got their their ear their earbuds in and they're listening to the iPad, the Holy Spirit will fall upon them and the conviction of the Lord will rise within them and that they will yield to conviction instead of resisting it. And I actually, I actually feel like the Lord's saying, I need to speak directly to those people. Fear not. Fear not Good. for what God, what God intends to do is to, for us to succeed in utterly transforming the Z generation with the love and the identity of Christ. Amen. So, yeah. So I, I love that. And, and, you know, I know that there's people out there listening right now thinking, uh oh, this is there. She's talking to me. God's speaking to me, you know. And my husband and I, or we've been trying to have children, we couldn't, or we have children, we want to adopt, and we wanted to do the foster thing, which is so powerful and it's such a generational thing because because with your three sons and the the 15 that you've done you you i know you've prayed you and scott prayed over them to knock off generational curses too yes. and yes and so that is so important and so that these children have a chance and can go out there and walk in faith and they it might not do it immediately but 
there's a process. Yes. Yes. And so, but the seeds are planted. And so, all right. So how do we find your book and how do we go to your website? Tell tell us how we find you Harmony, because you are a big deal and we want to find you. We want to pour into you. I know some of our listeners probably want to sow into you. And so please share, share, share. So you can purchase my book. I'll just say the name again, Hear Their Voices, A Portrait of an American Foster Family. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, Or if you would like a signed copy, you can reach me on Facebook. I have um, a site on Facebook called, it's just Harmony M. Klingenmeyer, author and speaker. And if you look me up and you message me, I usually respond within a couple of hours. And I would love to send you a book, a signed copy of my book. Mm. Um, And I also, something that I do when I'm able to, you know, speak with someone who's interested in purchasing my book is that I write a prophetic word in the cover of the book. I just ask Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this amazing person? And I write down what he says. And so if you're, if you're in need of, of prayer, if you're in need of, of a touch from the Lord, please reach out to me through uh, Facebook. I would love to pray for you. I would love to prophesy into your life and I would love to encourage you in this process. Also, if you're a foster parent right now and you're walking through hard times, Mm. if you're walking through struggles with the kids or you're in an investigation because lots and lots of foster parents uh, come under investigation because of attacks from biological parents, um, you are not alone. You are not alone. I stand with you and I would love to pray for you. And we're trying to create a community where we can talk about these things openly. So please reach out on Facebook. I want to spell your last name so they can get this. It's Harmony, which is obviously everybody knows how to spell Harmony because it's a beautiful name. Who are you named after? Anybody? I'm actually not named after anyone but my mom who's also very prophetic. She's the one who named me. And she, she told me that um, when, when I, she was pregnant, she was trying to decide whether she should name me Melody or Harmony. And the <laughs> Lord told her to name me Harmony. So. And that's and obviously you're very musical too as well. Yes. Yes. I studied uh, opera in Germany and I'm a choir okay. director. So. Come on sister. You are a <laughs> wonder woman. All right. So I'm going to spell the last name, which is K L I N G. E N M E Y E R. Yes. Did yes. I get it right? Okay. So check her out on Facebook and DM or PM, whatever y'all call these things and uh, buy her book and, uh, and it's in, and, and go to Amazon, hear their voices. If you want to sign copy, if you want to be prayed over, Harmony is a true giver and her and Scott are amazing. And I just, I just see things opening up for you. I know Julie loves you and uh, she's amazing. Uh, she is. I love her too. Yes. So we'll give a shout out to Julie and Julie uh, works in public relations and she's working with, with you and, and with me on this. So, uh, and so, yeah, Julie is convergence promotions, I think is the name that of is Julie. That is correct. Yeah. So Convergence Promotion is amazing. She finds these amazing people that I would have never located before. You're out there in Oregon. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so what do you see in, 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 in the, you know, 30, 45 seconds we have left, what do you see Harmony for the next, you know, year for you and Scott? I'm praying and believing that we will have opportunities to minister to both uh, people who want to become foster parents to the church. And also I'm, 
believing that God will open doors in secular realms as well, that we would be able to influence the secular realms of foster care with God's design um, and with just good practice, good parenting practices. Uh, that's another thing that I would consider an area of expertise for me is training people and just what does it mean to be a good parent? What what do you need to bring to the table to see successful kids? So um, I'm just believing that God will open those doors. And I'm actually working on three other books at this time. Of course um, you are. <laughs> so God is God is doing a good work. And I'm I'm gonna be right here parenting and investing in my marriage as well, because that's really God's heart. Amen. Amen. So I just want to say thank you, Harmony. I, I love your heart. I love your passion. I love the emotion that you give out and bless these children. These children are so blessed uh, to be with you all. I know you get a huge blessing just with having these three beautiful sons of yours. So congratulations. Please tell thank Scott you. we said we're praying for him and congratulations and way to be a father, Scott, way to, way to step up to the plate and be a true father. Cause that's what, that's what it's all about. And you guys are amazing. So uh, thank you again, Harmony, for sharing some of your time from beautiful state of Oregon and uh, God bless you and Scott on your future endeavors. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Hey friends, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other platforms where great podcasts are found. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Next Level Podcast. For more information or additional resources, please visit themichaelmcintyre.com. Michael